Welcome to Previously Learned Podcast, myself, James Shaw, and good friend, Michael McLaughlin. So, Mike, how are you? Excited to get the podcast up and running? Oh, yes, absolutely. You sound it. So, uh, I suppose if you give a brief overview of the pod, um, what's it about, Mike? So, in a nutshell, the premise of the podcast um, came about because of some recent family losses that both James and I have experienced over the last few years. There's obviously everything that went on with COVID, and we wanted to try and find a way to pass on some life lessons to our children. Uh, the issue being that sort of we've only lived our life and we only know some of the things we want to do. So we'd uh, look to see if we can get some lessons from other people, how they've done it, what they've been, and you know, they've got the t-shirt. All right, so with that in mind, recording the spring of this year, 2022, uh, managed to get a bit of a coup of our first ever previously learnt guest, uh, a certain Mr. Nick Stone, guy's a bit of a legend, um, excelling whatever he's done, as you will find out in the pod. Not only was he a professional sportsman, played AFL, was he Royals football for Hawthorne and St Kilda. He then moved into corporate finance, moved to New York. Uh, from there, he started a bit of a side hustle and founded Bluestone Lane, a, uh, a chain of Aussie-style coffee shops, which is now his job, what he does. Bluestone Lane have got over 55 shops in the States and are growing all the time. So as you can see, a bit of a varied background, uh, some lessons learned along the way, which may be a good time to kick off. But I should say, before I do, it's our first ever go on this, so apologies if some TV issues on sound, but lessons learned on that. Let's go. Let's go. So, yep. Nick, thanks, okay. Nick so um, thanks very much for joining us, uh, myself and Mike, on the Previously Learned, our first podcast, your first guest. Really appreciate you coming on. It's an honour and a privilege. Um, I know you're very, very busy. Um, sure. So, I mean, I would just go, I don't know if you want to give a quick intro to yourself, but... Um, we said on the preamble before um, that your ex-professional Aussie rules played to a um, very, very high standard, obviously. So it was St Kilda, Hawthorns and uh, Collingwood. Um, then investment banking. And from there, you set up your own uh, coffee chain, Bluestone Lane. And you just opened, is it 55 locations now? Just opened Houston, Texas? Yeah. Yeah, we just, uh, we probably just, a couple of, more than 55, I'd say. I've struggled to keep count, but look, yeah, we've just opened our first store in Texas uh, two weeks ago. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're in growth mode, which is pleasing after two years of survival mode, yeah. um, which, is, which is great, yeah. So I'm like, I guess the first question is, to be top of your field in one industry is pretty impressive. To do it in two and to do it in three, what's the secret? <laughs> and, you know, well, well, I definitely, I definitely, uh, I don't think I've ever been top of the field in anything, but um, I've certainly uh, tried very hard and had three different discrete uh, careers. Yeah. That they, you know, they, on superficially on paper, they don't appear to have a lot in common, but like life, like all business, like sport, I think that the values and what the key success factors and what drives them are. There's a lot of commonality there. And the reason I think I've been able to transition from my first career being in professional sport to finance and then into now, I guess, in entrepreneurship or in hospitality yeah. has been because of the background in sport and being part of teams and enjoying sharing success as part of a team, yeah. knowing my role, executing my role. Um, and to be able to do that effectively and to contribute to the team, you have to make enormous sacrifices. And those sacrifices are 
um, that they're, they're part of life. That is life. Life is about uh, compromise. It's about focus. It's about realising that you you need to often double down and really, really focus to move forward in towards the goals that you're attaining. You can't spread yourself so thin and you can't just give a little bit of effort here and hope that it's all going to work out beautifully. Like my approach um, in life has been quite the opposite, that I put in an enormous amount of commitment and try and continually, continu- continuously focus on learning and evolving and getting better with less benchmarking against others and that has stood me in good stead to jump from different industries and continue to move forward to contribute to the team and it's even as a parent now with three kids it's the same thing you know you got to keep improving as if the way that you you're as a partner as a father it's it's not a it's not you read a textbook and you pass the exam and then yeah. you know how to be a good dad it's it's a, yeah. it's a challenging thing as well <clears throat> no i agree i mean I, that's one of the things i say exactly that i mean like you can have as much coaching as you want in the world but being a dad it's it's, it's a different kettle of fish completely yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah. I mean, like, sorry going back to the first thing i'm mean, like at the time i'm mean, like so you made your debut at 18 was that the route you wanted to go down as you were growing up from yeah, <clears throat> I very much, I wanted to, my childhood dream was to be an AFL footballer. My uncle yeah. played in the AFL mm-hmm. uh, and my father, you know, played a high standard, my grandfather. So it was it was in uh, lineage and the family and that was the sport that um, I decided to really focus on probably when I was about 15. And, uh, you know, I wasn't, I was a good, solid player. I didn't think I was an uh, amazing player until a little, you know, close in my final years of high school, I became um, better and could contribute more. And I, I think it was it was it was an amazing thing. I, I got drafted when I was seventeen, yeah. and then you know I just uh, just prior to finishing my final year exams, so a school exam, so it was straight in and. It was it was a really interesting experience, very confronting. I I don't think that I was at my best during the whole six years I played professionally. I I, I think I spent too much time analysing and overthinking things rather than just going out there and playing my natural game. Like there's certainly nothing to do with the amount of conditioning or um, my athleticism to be able to do it. I think it was very much a mental thing that I struggled with and trying to feel confident because I'd play in the lower levels and play really well. And then I'd go to the senior team. I would always get nervous that I'd make a mistake. I would be more focused on um, avoiding making a mistake than just playing naturally. So that, that restricted me, but you know, that was an amazing experience in learning about yourself, that discovery process and, Mm -hmm. And I was determined that I was never going to make the same mistake again, that I would be hesitant, that I would not back myself, that I would doubt myself. And I used that to motivate me in in quite a powerful way into my next career. So AFL finished for me just before I was 24, just before I had my 24th birthday. um, um, It was all over. So in, in hindsight, 
there's a lot of benefits that it did wrap up then because I wasn't too long in the tooth to get into my next career. Yeah. And but I didn't achieve all my my I guess my dreams, but I played professionally for six seasons, played enough games to say I made it and you know, I used that to fuel the next the next chapter. And there's so many things, life's serendipitous. Yeah, AFL closes, then I get this chance to move into banking just before the financial crisis. And then I was able to meet my girlfriend and then I was able to move overseas and yeah. chase her. And then she's now my wife. Like it, it just, you, you never know how life's going to up. You just got to keep open-minded and you got to keep trying mm-hmm. because all through life, you're going to face setbacks. Everyone gets setbacks. There's no one who has a perfect life, a perfect mm-hmm. run. A, a lot of people I know that, you know, um, from a from a superficial level, from a tangible level, they fit. They seem to have it all buttoned up, and they've got the flash car and the house and the, you know, the holiday house and all that sort of stuff. But you know, they they're still vulnerable. They're still. Um, malleable they're still sensitive they still have their own insecurities and dreams like any human and um you know so you got to keep moving forward and you never know how your luck can change when you keep contributing keep learning and and be a good person you know like no one no one wants dickheads on their team (laughs) and you don't have to be the best player just if you can just be dependable and a good person and help others like you will get your you'll get your turn people eventually will recognize it and they will reward you there's enough i think there's enough people out there where you've got to assume good intent that Mm -hmm. your your chance will come you just got to keep approaching with that consistent mentality that that uh you know you want to learn and evolve and be be a really positive contributor Mm -hmm. It's interesting you mentioned um, that being that positive contributor, and, and actually a lot of it's based on um, your your own abilities to not have too much self doubt and, and things. And like you made a great quote on that you try to not benchmark yourself against others. And I think one of the things, and certainly as a, as a parent, the, the aspects of social media and the impact they'll have on our children um, are obviously very powerful. That that benchmarking against others and. and people are only putting the best of their life up on Facebook and, and, and other social media types. How would you um, say that you look to measure success and, and what makes um, you feel even good about yourself? Yeah, um, I think that you need to try and, I, I you know, I think that you've got to, to, there's a couple of things. One, social media has an extraordinary externalities and it's going to be very challenging for for young people. Um, I think that it it is the great unknown, like the impact that's really having on kids. You know, I, I'm I'm really con- I'm I'm hugely concerned about it and um, this obsession with with the photos and the way people look rather than the depth of their character is, mm-hmm. is alarming. But, you know, I think that, you know, I am not, I'm not at my best when I'm comparing. I know when I get, I like anyone, I can get in ruts where I benchmark and it, and it's just, it's not good. It's not good at all. But, um, but, you know, it's, 
you've got to keep thinking that am I and assessing yourself in a in a humble sort of objective way like am I continuing to learn am I working on whatever I'm focused on am I getting better and yeah comparison doesn't help anyone I think you look at role models out there like I think the best role models are those that that obsess with getting better they don't look at the next player and say I've got to be better than him I think that they have a deep down resolve and commitment and they focus on the process like I think that's one of the huge issues with social media is it's all on the outcome the outcome is like this picture or you know showing what I'm doing they don't they don't uh, it doesn't account for the process to get there or the process the same with sport you know you think about oh the the person won the gold medal or they broke the record that's all the outcome the process was years and years of consistency of training and doing everything the right the right way every single time for years not just for a week or two weeks for months it was just relentless so yeah I think, they, yeah. I think they worked it out. I think it's, uh, is it 10,000 hours, doesn't it, to get to... Yeah, the Gladwell thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's yeah. Just, you know, exactly what you said, spot on. You don't see the process that's going on behind it. <clears throat> just measure the outcome. That's not what it's all about. Sometimes it is part of the journey, and the journey is what makes it good. You know, yeah. it's just... Uh... <laughs> but, I mean, do, do, you miss, do you miss the AFL? Do you miss the footy? Do you... No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't miss it. I don't. Like, I, you know, I liked it when I finished playing yeah. at AFL. I went straight and played for the in the amateurs for my old school team with my a lot of my friends, my brother. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But um, no, so I, I, I played my last year when I was uh, in two thousand and ten. I was uh, twenty eight. 29 so I'm 40 now so yeah it's a long time ago but I think that I miss the camaraderie I miss I miss the ritual of going to training and the celebrations that they were they were amazing and you know I, I probably look back and I look at even I probably still didn't have enough fun like even though AFL finished and I went and played amateurs I didn't play I could have played sort of semi-professional but I I didn't I focused you know I was more focused on my banking career so i didn't really want anything that was going to you know could have the potential of impacting that but um you know you 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 probably just should have more fun you know i probably was still too serious and you think back on it now like what why why was that so serious and you know um yeah you having fun now the coffee bluestone lane i think well bluestone was created to to it was created out of self necessity, really. It was created because I missed it. I missed the experience that we'd we'd get consistently in Australia. This independent coffee uh, coffee culture that we have there, where the big chains don't dominate. There's no Costa Coffee. There's no Starbucks. Like that, that Starbucks failed in Australia, and Costa's never tried. And um, it's very much independently driven, and the, and it's this notion of having an owner operator who really knows you, who makes you feel special and unique, that knows your name based on all that really community focus. And then for me, that's what I'm used to. That's what I want to replicate. So um, I said about doing that in 2013 while I was in banking still, I, I wasn't, 
um, I didn't leave banking for another three years um, until we got the business up to sort of 12 stores. But, you know, I think hospitality is about making people feel good. And it's hard when you're the owner-founder because you are always looking at through the lens of, you know, can it be better and you you get impatient and um, because I see the potential is just absolutely enormous. Like we are providing something that people need. 90% of our transactions in our cafes are two or more people. The the biggest problem with social media is it drives mass connectivity, but it doesn't, and it substitutes human connection, which is leading to all types of challenges in mental health. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's amazing how you resolve so many conflicts and doubts and just the way you feel about someone or you feel about yourself by just sitting down and having a coffee or breaking a piece of bread, having a beer and just chatting like this is actually how I feel. And Bluestone, that's what we do. Too many of these coffee shops, we're all focused just on speed and friction, you know, reducing friction so that more people can just get a product and leave. And I'm not interested in, in being product led. I want to be service led. Mm-hmm. And and that and that is that's very hard to execute because you need you're so reliant on your team. But but yeah, you know, I, I think it's I think it's um yeah, I think that what we have and the opportunity we have is is really unique. Yeah, really unique. Yeah. And they're different. So obviously in the States is a huge country, right? So are there different areas that have different reception to the, the Aussie coffee culture or are some more receptive to the others? New York, for example. Yeah, I think they've been all pretty receptive. We've never gone on market and it hasn't really worked, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> I think it's more about... Um, I, I just think it's... it's. I think everyone... Looking that they're important, that they're a local, that they're not a customer, and that's what we focus on. We don't use the word customer; it's homogenous. It's it's impersonal. Like we use local. Like it's mm-hmm. like you're part of our community. You're part of the store. You're a local. It's like, you know, and we would find it all you know, in Australia. It's everywhere. In the UK, I lived in London for a year. You know, it's like of course, like going to your local pub. There's a lot of great coffee shops where they're 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 independently owned and they make you feel special. But, you know, that like going to see your local publican, you know, that when you walk in and they know your name, face, they know probably your kids' names or your yeah. partners or your, what you do for work, whether you've got yeah. a dog, who, which football team you support or rugby team or whatever. Yeah. And and I just I felt that there's just a need for more of that. And uh, that's what we've said about. We're really a human connection company more than anything rather than hospitality or coffee. We we bring people together and they and you know we facilitate it and yeah we serve them great food and coffee so it works you know it works well this stuff no as I say it's, it's really taken on like I say been going since 2013 55 plus obviously sorry that's my mistake getting that wrong um locations and sites and stuff and yeah how many more are you going to go for is it just never ending at the moment or is it just see how it comes yeah, I don't know. I think it's still the point where we feel that, you know, the, I think the potential and what we do is needed. And I think that there's so many different cities and markets that would work well. Right now we're in eight markets and some of those markets 
markets we've we've only got one or two stores so the growth opportunity is huge it's just the scale of the u.s is massive 330 million people so it's just sometimes hard to fathom like how big it is but you know there's there's hundreds of stores in bluestone and they can still be they still feel very independent and unique we talk about this concept of boutique at scale and i'm not interested in building something that feels like just a chain i want it to feel special and um you know for us that that's that's critical yeah otherwise i guess you're losing your essence what it's all about in the first place you know yeah yeah and we're we're, like i think we can open a lot of stores and and why if you're service-led when your people make people make your locals feel good and excited like i think there's a lot of runway when brands start focusing more on product than service i think that's where they get in trouble you know they, they start because then it just disintermediates the service proposition and the need for great service you know it's all about just getting them the coffee as fast as possible or as cheap as possible and you know we're, we're not I think you can. I think you can achieve. I think you can develop great products very easily. It's it's just time and money. But like to execute service, that's culture. That's DNA. That's yeah. that's the real yeah. purpose piece of like why people want to do that every time. Why do they want to make people feel special? And what, what kind of lessons you learn from it? Is it obviously different? It's been different cultures of banking to obviously hospitality. It's you know different yeah. environments. Well. Small business is so hard. I don't think I had any appreciation of like how hard small business yeah. is. I think going from football into banking, I thought I thought banking was challenging, but I just realised like, well, now banking's pretty easy. It's long hours, definitely, yeah. but but compared to small business and this pressure and the the um, responsibility you have for for your team and their livelihood mm-hmm. and there's just a lot of barriers. It's very, very hard. You know, I think the governments look look at businesses as one. One a company that has four employees or ten employees is very different from a company that's got twenty thousand. And but they they're both subjected to the same sort of rules and policies and level of support. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of it's crazy. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they do it for efficiency or consistency. I don't, I don't know, but uh, it one, it's like super hard. And I think this notion of even like being an entrepreneur, like I, every small business owner is an entrepreneur. You know, like it's it's. I think that there's just this movement at the moment towards a lot of people thinking, taking greater autonomy and greater responsibility for what, where they want to end up in life, mm-hmm. and looking at different options. So that, I think that's fueling this this surge in small business, but. Um, one, uh, yeah, I just I didn't appreciate how hard it is. Two, just the amount of uh, really most businesses are based around EQ. The 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 intellectual property component is is very limited. You know, very very limited in hospitality. There's almost no intellectual property. Everyone can make a coffee. It's just time and money. It's just practice. Get the right machine. Get the right beans. You can make a great coffee. But how do you make great coffees all the time across multiple venues? Well, it comes down to your team and their willingness to execute and they have to be bought into the purpose and it's the purpose that is that cultural dna that creates a real barrier entry. It, it it develops your sustainable advantage your value proposition that can then you know mean that you can continue to grow and operate so 
I think that looking at businesses through the lens of of uh, the culture and, and culture is very much driven by your emotional intelligence, how you coach, how you communicate, how you reward, how you um, challenge, um, how how empathetic are you, how uh, how you you dream and you vision things to give them confidence that they can go to the next level, the business can go to the next level. I think they're, they're so critically important and they're very advanced skills that you you honestly learn um, through sport in such a profound way because you have to – sport is a great equaliser. You know, it, it, it doesn't care whether you are educated or not or whether you're wealthy or not or whether you're – you're black or white or or if you're a certain religious um, you know denomination like no one no one cares that the ball bounces a certain way and there's certain rules and we've all got to play by them and yeah. I, I love that it democratizes people and uh, it, it is a great leveler. And so I think playing sport all my life and then playing at high level it does equip you to to, to Develop your communication skills and your your the your, how you observe others and whether they you think that they're going well or not or whether they've got something that's clouding their mind or challenge um, that's that's impeding their performance. Which maybe you can have a role in liberating. So yeah, I think that that's that helped me a lot with hospitality because really I, my role is like just have the right team and then have the team be their best and everything else pretty much we've, we've we can control you know it's, yeah. it's not that hard but execution of the service and and which is your team that is the biggest challenge yeah so so how do you make uh, like tough decisions you know it's do you do you tend to follow your own advice do you go for a gut instinct or is it a case of talking to your team and or is it all factor in what the situation is I at the think time. I, yeah, I, yeah, there's probably a couple of people that I would sort of bounce ideas on, um, off, but generally it's, generally it's, you know, it's remaining like really, really focused on, on, you know, where we're we going and, and does this person or, do their behaviours or their performance align with where we're going? And I, I try and I, I definitely solicit feedback from maybe one or two confidence that I like. I really trust from not just a you know not an academic level, but from a very much like the values alignment. And mm-hmm. often we'll I see advice from people who are very you know objective and calm. Mm-hmm. And then, but gut's so critical. Like whenever, uh, like my gut tells me it's right or wrong, and like you know, I can, you can, you can overthink it. But I'm one of those people that definitely gives the benefit of the doubt. Like I don't, I've been known for someone that probably doesn't pull the trigger fast enough if there's a real problem. But I've changed dramatically because of COVID. Now, now I'm, I think I'm far more decisive. In everything I do, but certainly I'm on team and people. But um, yeah, you know, I, I would say I, I sort of decided my, my it just doesn't make sense, and then I would go to someone just to like test and see if it validates. And then yeah, you know, 
giving feedback is hard. Giving um, tough news is hard, but it's essential. And if you want to be the leader and and you need to, and you're focused on this broader goal, like sometimes it's necessary. And you know, it's it's never. It's, I don't like revel in it and and uh, celebrate hard news, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's, you know it's no getting away from it. If you're in a senior position. That's what you got to do. If you're yeah. if you're responsible for people, whether it's a CEO, a parent, or the coach, yeah, you 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 have to you have to own the decision. Um, but gut gut plays a huge role. I think that it's amazing. Just your sense, if you especially if you you're very invested, you spend time, you think about it all the time. Like your gut is is normally there because you're processing all the time how it feels and how this person is performing or interacting or how much they really align with what we're trying to do or the values or do they, do they, do they really want to do this? Like some of those decisions are, I don't think you really want to do this. Um, I think that you're so talented in these areas and that's where your heart lies. And I think this is just like a bit of a, a waste because you're not fully committed. And there's also there the hard conversations where people go, thank you for, for, encouraging me to, to be brave enough to admit that and move on. I guess that's what comes from sport as well, having the honest conversation <laughs> off time or analysis afterwards, you know, you know, when something needs to be done and when it doesn't, and it's you've got to be open and honest, I guess. Yeah. So otherwise people don't move on, you know. But what's the what's the worst bit of advice you've actually been given? Worst piece of advice. I think it's listening to I think I think often people who are so-called experienced or they might be older that you should always listen to their advice. Like I think, I think that that just, I think you got to back yourself. I think you need to find a couple of people you really trust. I don't think going soliciting feedback in a really wide way can be beneficial. I think it can just confuse you and, um, but yeah, I you know, I think sometimes that there's this like default position that this person, you know, because of their experience or whatever knows. I think everyone every experience is unique. I think the world is very it's far more dynamic than it ever was, um, because of internet and the freedom of information. So, you know, I think that that's, I think that that's a huge one. Um, yeah, you know, I, I I think that's probably the biggest. But you know, what, what, where have I been given advice? And I think, you know, if I don't, if I, I would say the, you know, the other thing is just, um, just being, yeah, being careful where if if people are giving you feedback but you don't trust them or inherently their values don't align with yours, then maybe. Be courteous, but just move on. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just think that sometimes, like, I, I, I can't take advice from someone that I don't align with who they are, and and I don't trust them. Mm-hmm. So then, find out those that you do trust, and that they still can remain objective, and they're happy to give you feedback, and they know that, yeah, you know, it could hurt your feelings, but that's exactly what you want. You want someone who's in your corner, but telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. 
but um, they need to be aligned with your values as a person and, and understand what you're trying to achieve and have invested sufficient time, not just superficially. We'll read a document and tell you that they're, you know, you're wrong and all these things are, need to be changed. They've got to invest and they've got to show care and they have to align with you as a person, I think. Which again goes hand in hand to emotional intelligence, I guess. You know, it's, uh... yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I think like that. That's the that's the biggest upside for humans, right? Like, I think intellectual capacity is going to continue to be disintermediated with computers and machine learning. Like, it's EQ, it's the ability for us to get along and understand each other's point of views and perspectives, and be. That's where we've got we've got an advantage, you know, for the for the sustainable future. Mm-hmm. Well, fingers crossed. I'm very conscious of time and stuff, uh, but just the last couple of questions is wrapping up. What to you is probably the most important thing you've learned in your life and how much has it changed your life on the back of it? I think the most important thing, a couple of things. The first one is you can always improve. Mm. You can always learn and get better. And I think that continuous improvement is driven by the process of being open-minded to keep learning. I think that that is so critical. No one's ever worked it out. You never work it out, but that's okay. You just got to keep learning, keep evolving, keep trying to remain objective, get on the balcony rather than, you know, in the party, be on the balcony, observe what's going on chat you know keep open and try new things and don't be closed and then the second thing is get your priorities right like i think that covid was amazing there's a huge net positive from that Um, there's a lot of tragedy but i think how it realigned the importance of of family and friends uh, and things that really really make you happy is so important Maybe we can get caught up in a lot of superfluous things and superficial things and judge that as a sign of success, but really friends and family are so critical. Yeah. 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 And and for me, I think that that's ultimately what I care about the most by a mile. So all the success in different fields, it's people that I remember and it's those experiences is not how much money you got in a bank account. It's it's memories of being with people that you care about. And so I think getting that priority right and um, and continuing to invest in those relationships every day is the, the most critical thing. Yeah. Uh, no, brilliant. No, I really appreciate that. Listen, very, very conscious of your time. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much sure. for being our first guest as well. Um, sure. No, listen, we're, we're hoping to kick off on this and it's absolutely amazing to get you on. You're such like a, what you're doing at the moment as well. And, you you know, we really appreciate it. We can't thank you enough. Yeah, it's just... No, my, well, my, my, my pleasure. Well, that's episode one done for uh, Bruce Learn Podcast. So a massive thanks to Nick Stone there for his time and insights. Very, very useful and informative, I think. Mike, how do you think that went? Well... Uh, I thought it was great. Um, some fantastic bits in there and his life and what an interesting guy. Um, so hopefully you liked that. If you did, please uh, like and subscribe and uh, please look out for future podcasts from Previously Learned. And thank you very much.